Welcome back to another episode of an Athletic Life Podcast. I'm your host, Schneef. Today, our guest is Tyler Levine. Tyler plays football at SMU. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm really excited to have you on the show. You're the second FBS player that we've had on, so this will be really fun for me. I'm a big football guy. I come from a football family, college football player myself. So if you could just introduce yourself for the audience, that'd be great. What's up? My name is Tyler Levine, uh, born and raised in Austin, Texas, and playing at SMU in Dallas. What class are you in, Tyler? Uh, that's actually a funny question. Uh, this will technically be my seventh year, so I'm a grad. I'm a grad student right now. Man, that's interesting. It's a lot of wear and tear on your body. My roommate, he's also in his seventh year of college football. He was a, a grad transfer for us. But what do you think that's done for your body? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a toll for sure. Obviously, football is a physical game. And, um, I mean, just it's done a lot. Obviously, had a couple surgeries here and there um, that I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, but, I mean, that's why the treatment room is really important. Get in there every day. And just making sure our body can withstand all the impact that it takes each and every year. Yeah, absolutely. Football is a physical sport and it's demanding on the body. But also, like you said, that's what the training room's for. And so just to be able to get in, do your rehab, you know, cold tub, hot tub, stem and heat, needling, cupping, stuff like that, it's all really important oh, no. to continue your success. Um, sure, I saw one sure. of your Instagram posts that who, um, who says you can't play football forever. Is that what you were referring to with your seventh year? <laughs> yes, sir, exactly. Yeah. Man, that was awesome. I saw that. I was thinking, I was looking at that the other day. I was like, man, what's he talking about? Like, college football <laughs> will come to an end. <laughs> well, it does, but that's what everyone thought after each and every year is like, oh, it's the last one. It's like, oh, nope, I got two more. Oh, no, nope, now I got one more. Yeah, it's interesting, kind especially with COVID. Everyone gets granted an extra year. But, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we're really lucky, I think, because I'm going into my fifth year and to think like, you know, last season could have been my last one, or this could be my last one, but at least I have one more if I want it, you know, so right. we're lucky. No, for sure. It's been it's been a blessing, for sure. Yeah, so we're going to kind of jump into the interview part of this. Let's just go back to your childhood. Obviously, you're from Texas. Football's huge. Was that a big part of your childhood for sports, or were there more sports involved? Oh, yeah. I mean, I started tackle football in first grade. Um, and I honestly just fell in love with it. And it's just been a really impactful game in my life. And it's been teaching me a lot of life lessons and especially growing up uh, playing high school football with a really successful team and then playing at the division one level. Um, I mean, it's been, it's been an awesome ride and I can't, I would never honestly take any of any of it back. So. Yeah. And especially with football, there's a lot of ups and downs, but you do create these solid memories that, you wouldn't trade for anything. Sure, there have been losses, oh, yeah. injuries, but it's all worth it in the end. Oh, for sure, for sure. Who do you think your biggest mentor was growing up while you were playing football, whether it be a coach, a parent, a teammate, maybe a professional athlete? Um, honestly, I looked up – I mean, obviously, my dad was my coach, like, growing up uh, as a young kid. Um, a big mentor for me was my grandpa. He played football at Baylor. Uh, that's why I wear the number 31. Um just a really big impact on me. And obviously, too, I'd have to say my older brother. Um, he's always always been more athletic than me. And that's why I think I just earned, like got my competitive edge from him. Um, we would compete every day, whether it be us at practice, because I always played uh, a year up. And um, it could just, you know, playing in the front yard, little little things, him out running me, and it just made me 
uh, earn this competitive edge and just love the game and compete. Yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, having an older brother myself, that they can do that to you. It's, you always oh, yeah. are chasing them, it seems like. Maybe you're in their shadow a little bit until until you get your moment to shine. But my older brother, he used to tell me that he'd beat me up to make me the toughest kid in the state. And so yeah. they're always making uh, you better. They're trying to make you better. And it really does bring up that competitiveness in you because, you know, you're always chasing them and you want to be better than them at everything. Oh, yeah, 100%. Why are you so competitive? What what within you makes you want to compete every single day? That with everything you do, why are you giving it a hundred percent? Um, I just honestly, I felt like I I got that when I was a young kid. I'm always competing, um, and I've always like had this thing of I, I have a fear of being average. Uh, it's a big fear of mine. Uh, I really don't want to live a normal life like other people, where they just go their nine to five. Uh, I just want to be a different human being and be uncommon. That's big for me and. That's what kind of always set me apart and just kind of always striving to be uncommon and just grind each and every day when others aren't willing to. Being normal is overrated. Oh, yeah. Don't I mean, be different. That's the thing. You can't, be, you can't be average in this world. I mean, you can, but, uh, I mean, there's really no benefit from it. You can be average, but what's the point of life when there's so much more to life than being average? Yeah, and also if you're average, you're not great. You know exactly. what I mean? In our world, you have to be great if you're going to continue to play football at the next level. Oh, yeah. And, I'm, I mean, being comfortable with being uncomfortable has always been a thing, too, that I learned early in high school with a coach we had. Um, that was his big thing. Just, you know, learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that's – I've learned that through a lot of processes in my early life so far. And I honestly strive to continue it the rest of my life. So, Yeah, if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not growing. Because if you're oh, yeah. just sitting back and, you know, you're doing things that make you comfortable, that means you're probably not pushing your limits and you're not getting experiences that can help you grow as an athlete and as a person in general. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I, I really agree with that. And I think that's a big part of, you know, athletics is just pushing yourself and always, you know, trying to reach goals that, you didn't think you could achieve and now you have, and okay, well now what's another goal that I can achieve? Oh, well, I don't really do that. Well, okay, now I'm going to start. Oh yeah. So when did you realize that you wanted to play college football? Did you know at a young age or was it more when you were in high school? Yeah. I mean, obviously growing up like everybody else, there's always that big dream of, you know, oh, I want to play in the NFL. Um, but obviously there's a process to that and there's stages. And when I was younger, obviously played, had a lot of success and then middle school came around and, you know, balling out and then high school comes on varsity on sophomore year. And that's when I, I knew like, Hey, I can play this game really well. And if I continue to strive to be better each and every day, I mean, I can have that opportunity to play college ball. And that was obviously something that I wanted to do because it was something too I wanted to do for my parents. You know, there's a lot of opportunity out there to go get an education for free and, now at SMU getting a really high education and it's been, it's been really beneficial, beneficial for me and my family just to, you know, be able to go to college for free and strive to do better and be better. There's so many benefits to that. A, you're getting a good education. Like you said, at SMU, really good school. You're coming out, you know, debt free from college, which is huge. It's already setting oh, you yeah. up for success. Most people don't have that opportunity and you get a ton of life experiences. You get to travel with football there's just so many benefits to it. Oh, yeah. So when you were in high school, 
You said you were on varsity as a sophomore. Is that when your recruiting started? Can you take us through your recruiting process a little bit? Yeah, so um, honestly, if I'm going to be honest, like recruiting for me was kind of – you didn't really see a lot of guys getting recruited out of our high school, which was really weird because we were really successful my sophomore year started at linebacker in the state championship game. Um, I think we had one player go D1. Like, I feel like our area really wasn't highly recruited. Uh, we had a lot of ball players on our team for sure. Um, and then after that sophomore year, or my junior year, uh, we actually went 16-0 and in one state that year. And that's when I started getting some looks from little schools. Um, obviously, I knew I could play at a high level and – I bet on myself and I was like, I'm not going to settle for anything. Like I'm going to just keep playing. And um, I got my first offer my senior year or the summer going in my senior year from army. And I honestly thought it would ramp up from there, but it was honestly just kind of, I didn't really worry about that. Just, you know, I wanted to ball out and do my thing for my senior year. And there was a couple that came here and there, but I mean, I felt, West Point was my best opportunity to set me up for success for the rest of my life because I know football doesn't last forever. Yep. And um, so I went to West Point, and then I actually got after – so I went to the prep school because I broke my foot my senior year, got surgery after. And then I got uh, – so I went to the prep school at Army, which is like their way of redshirting, um, and then did that and then went back for basic training. And then I actually got medically disqualified because I had a fatal heart condition and I broke my foot again. So they sent me home and I just thought that God had bigger and better plans. And I ended up walking on actually to SMU in the spring of 19. And then, um, yeah. And then from there, it's just been a snowball effect. It's been an awesome experience for me. And I definitely think West Point obviously was part of my story and to where I am today. But, I mean, SMU has just been treating me really well, and I, that's when I got put on scholarship after uh, my first season, which was a blessing for sure. Man, that, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Um, we're going to break that down a little bit just because it's oh, such sure. an interesting story. So you go to the, the academy at West Point, and you said that it's kind of their way of redshirting. So what does that <laughs> process look like? Are you, you know, are you living in a barracks-type room, or is it yeah. normal dorm rooms? How does that work? No, so yeah, so the prep school there for any academy, it's just um, your your the prep school at West Point is on campus, um, but you're literally so the prep school my year we only had 220 kids, and it's like you do everything everything's the same like at the academy it's just at the prep school and it's kind of getting you ready for the academy, but you do everything this everything's the same. But football-wise, we play a bunch of JUCOs and the other academy prep schools because it's just like a bunch of 18-year-olds playing together. It's like a – I guess you could say a JV of the uh, – like the actual academy. That's interesting. So, yeah, you're doing all the basic training. You're doing all the field training on the weekends, um, living in barracks and all that fun stuff. <laughs> so you have a little bit of a military background. I guess you could say now, yeah, after going to West Point for a year, I guess you could say. Not no background with my within my family, but Right, but for your I guess you as an individual. Oh yeah. So, so is it uh is it like the movies? Are they yelling at you the whole time? You know, drill sergeants are screaming, freaking out. Oh yeah. I mean obviously it's their version of basic, uh, which is pretty much the same. Um but yeah, it was the prep school is three weeks of basic training and then you go in so yeah, you have all your yelling and 
All the fun stuff, physical training. Honestly, a lot of it is just mental training too um, because I feel like anybody can do it. It's just if you have the mental capacity to hold up and just stay strong. And But, I mean, everybody does it or everybody could. I wouldn't say everybody can do it. It's definitely a different beast, but it's definitely rewarding at the end. And I applaud my friends who are still there. or They actually graduated and now they're officers in the Army right now. Um, a lot of respect to them, but I just – you know, I got medically disqualified, and I guess that wasn't part of my story. So, I mean, part of my story to go to the military, but I definitely think it shaped me. It helped shape me into the person I am today. Yeah, I guarantee it did. Did you know about that fatal heart condition before you got disqualified? I did not. So, so I broke my foot again, um, and we're it was on our – APFT run which is like a little two-mile run I stepped in a pothole funny broke the bone again in my foot and then we were just talking because then actually that weekend we had a football or like the football physicals and talking to the doctors and they're like hey maybe we can give you like a shot like a cortisone shot to finish out basic because if I finished basic then I'd be able to get the surgery and then start the school year um, but if you don't finish basic then you can't stay and so I was like, yeah, let's just do that route. I'll just tough it out and uh, finish basic basic with it. So then I went along with my um, physical, and they saw that I actually put on the piece of paper that I've had chest pain before, and they did an EKG. And they uh, they put me in a room, did the EKG, looked at me kind of funny. They're like, we're going to run it back and do it again. So they did it again, came back, looked at me funny. I was like, okay, what's going on? They're like, we're going to do it one more time. And then they grabbed the doctor. They came back the third time and I saw them talking outside and I was like, oh gosh, what is going on? And so they came in and the doctor said, hey, you have Wolf Parkinson White syndrome. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what that is. I'm not a doctor. Right. And she was like, it's a fatal heart condition. Like you need to get surgery on it ASAP. And I was like, uh, okay. And she's like, yeah, you can't be here with that. So they're like, yeah, we're gonna have to send you home and go get surgery ASAP. So I got sent home and got the heart surgery and then got the foot surgery. And then, you know, it was kind of a, like a hard time for me. Cause I was like, dang, what am I going to, what am I going to do now? But after, you know, praying, talking with my family, um, God's got bigger and better plans. And I, I ended up at SMU in the spring. So it's been really awesome, but I will say, don't take those little pieces of papers when you go to the doctor for granted, because that can honestly change a life because if I wouldn't have put that, who knows where, where, where I would have been today. So. Yeah. That kind of had to have shaken up your whole world a little bit. You said you talked to your family and you were praying. What was your uh, mental state like after you got that news? It was definitely shocking. Um, something I didn't want to hear, but obviously something that had to have been fixed or get fixed really quick. And I mean, it was really hard because I've been a person that's just like on the go I got to be grinding. I got to be working out. I'm trying to play ball, um, trying to do big things in my life. And when I got that news, I was like, I honestly had no idea where I was going to go from there. I was like, okay, I'm going to go home, get this surgery, and who knows what happens. Um, so then got sent home and just, you know, really relied on, um, you know, just trying to get back to work and figuring out my next step. And that's when I, you know, SMU is kind of a school I wanted to go to out of high school. And I was like, hey, I'm going to bet on myself and just go put my head in the ground and grind. And that's what I did and got put on scholarship a year later. So it was definitely rewarding. Congratulations for that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So 
we know your style. You're a physical back, right? You're a big mm-hmm. guy. You like to you like to have contact. You know, you're not running away from someone. You're going to run towards someone. Um, oh, yeah. One thing that you're working on to improve your game this offseason. Yeah, so this offseason has actually been kind of funny, too. Um, so I actually tore my patella in the season this or this past season, um, played through it, and uh, ended up getting surgery this past January. And so I've been pretty much rehabbing this whole spring, which has been a completely different grind because I've never had a knee injury before, and that's just a total different beast. Um, but then again, you know, just being patient and, you know, going to rehab, trying to get as strong as I can. And um, But now I'm getting to the phase of where I can get back to – I'm about 70% right now, um, and I'll definitely be 100% by the season. But this offseason, just honestly been getting healthy and trying to get my legs stronger again, get back in shape, and just be the back I was and even better than last year. Um, really grinding on getting my speed back and honestly even more because that's something I always work on every season is just speed, um, hip mobility, and just honestly a little – I need to be a little more flexible. I'm a little tight in the hips. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this whole offseason just kind of for me it has been getting back in shape and getting back to where I was and healing this knee up. Yeah, I mean, rehab is tough. It's a big process. Um, you know, I tore my labrum in my shoulder in the playoffs last year, so I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm, I'm working mm-hmm. my way back to being 100%. I imagine your fall camp will be a little bit different than normal, being that you're the old guy in the room, might not necessarily want to take those shots on your body in camp. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that they'll probably look at, but honestly, I need to get back to where I was, and I'm honestly ready to get pounded a little bit get my head knocked around and, you know, get back at it because it's been a long time, especially not this might be, be this past spring being my first time not participating in spring ball. So, you know, I'm ready to put on the pads and just get back at it and get to where I was and a lot more accomplishments this season. Foaming at the mouth for a little bit of contact right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. They can even tell. They're like, Tyler, just be patient. Like, because I'm like, you know, trying to push myself, but to the point where it's like, you know, I'm just honestly trying to be healthy by day one of fall camp. I'm not trying to rush anything, but obviously, you know me, I'm just, I'm just trying to get back at it. And, you know, like you said, foaming out the mouth, ready to pop somebody on the other side of the ball. Yeah. And, you know, again, it goes back to that competitive nature that you have. You're never settling to be, you know, just good. You want to be great. You want to be phenomenal. And so it's, it's pushing the rehab. It's, it's doing everything you can to get back to be a hundred percent for fall camp. Exactly. What is your favorite scheme? Are you an inside zone, outside zone? What What do you like? Um. Yeah, I'm a big – yeah, I like inside zone. Um, I love running the ball between the guards. Um, but, you know, people hate on the freaking – the outside zone, but I, I think I had some pretty successful runs out there last year. Uh, I'm not the quickest and fastest, but, hey, if you give me the ball, something will happen. And, I mean, I love it all. I love catching the ball. I love blocking. Blocking has been a really fun thing for me. Um, they've been making a lot of um, uh, plays off of, you know, lead blocks with me. And I just honestly enjoy being out there with the guys and doing anything I can to, like, you know, make the team successful because it's about the team. And I've known that. And any way I can help, I'm willing to do so. Yeah, you've recently given a lot of credit to your offensive line. You know, their names don't get in the paper a whole lot, the guys who score do. But you've done a really good job at, you know, trying to put them in the spotlight. How mm-hmm. successful or how much of your success comes from those guys up front? It all comes from them. I mean, 
we had, especially this year, we're about to have a really good O-line. Um, ever since I've been at SMU, we've had great O-linemen. Um, but, I mean, it starts with them. It starts in the trenches. Obviously, we can't run the or pass the ball if we, can't, if we don't have an O-line. Um, they make every play happen. And, yeah, it sucks they don't get the credit. But, I mean, they're willing to do that. They signed up for it. And, I mean, that's why I try to give them as much as credit as possible because it obviously starts with them. And they know that, and I mean, we can't be the team we are without them. So, yeah, it takes a lot of selfless leaders to play offensive line and to be successful at it, just because they know they're not going to get the credit. But they play physical and they play a lot of snaps. Oh yeah. What's the culture like at SME? What do you guys pride yourself on? Being uncommon, a trust in the process. Um, I mean, the culture now it's kind of hard too because we get a lot of transfers which is good and bad because people can see it as a negative but i mean for us we've been pulling in a lot of guys especially this spring we had a bunch of new guys come in and you feel like it kind of makes the culture change a little bit um but i feel like they've really come in and you know really established themselves and really bought into what we're trying to do especially having a new pretty new coaching staff uh being a year and a half in now um, but i mean the culture is really just really trust the process and be uncommon. Like I was talking about earlier. You said that it's hard sometimes for them to, to come in and, and, you know, trust the process and the culture. Do you think that changes the t- tradition of the program? Or are you guys trying to start a new tradition, you know, going, cause you guys have had a lot of success recently. You put up, you know, 70 some points. Uh, was that last season or two seasons ago? Yeah. yeah last season yeah. against Houston. Yep. So a lot of recent success. Is the tradition going in a, a new projected way or is, is there still that tradition of old school football there? Oh, no, I think the tradition, I mean, it's the same. It's the, oh, what do they say? New uh, new Pony, same express. Oh, I said that wrong. What Something like that, though. Yeah, I know what you mean. Especially Coach Lashley coming in. He's been making this program to where he'd want it to be. I mean, Really hard nose. He likes to throw the ball, and I think this this season too, we're going to be able to run the ball with all the backs we have and all the depth we have at O line. Um, but I think it's, I mean, the tradition here is everybody's bought in, and I think it's the same as last year. If not, we're more hungry this year, obviously, because we had a successful season last year. But I mean, it obviously didn't end the way we wanted to. Um, guys aren't going to be satisfied with you know getting whatever we did fourth fifth in the conference which isn't acceptable and that's why I think everybody's pushing this year because we really think that and actually we know that we uh can win this conference so that's the standard and if we don't then everybody knows that we didn't meet our goal right and no one wants to settle for that you guys are going to continue to push the standard and and raise the bar a little bit because you hold yourselves to to such high standards and you want you know, really good things for the program. Would you yeah. say that SMU has, uh, you guys are like running back by committee? Because it seems like you guys rotate backs frequently in games. Yeah, that's honestly, it's been a big key point for us to have a lot of backs. Um, and they do a really, because everybody in the room obviously has a different style of game, which is honestly an advantage for us. Because honestly, we wouldn't want to have five of the same backs because that wouldn't make us any better anywhere. And that's why it's really nice to now have five backs that can do it all. Um, and coaches have really seen that, and they know, hey, we can rotate people in when we need them. Um, and especially just when guys aren't healthy, too, it helps out when we have depth. And that's why you see a lot of rotations and just keeping guys fresh. Um, 
usually you see with teams having one or two backs, but that's what makes us special is just being able to, you know, throw in a guy who might be third on the depth chart, but like he's still running like a one and it's really hard, but that's why the running back room has really been committed to just trusting each other, um, supporting each other and not being selfish. And then, I mean, you have selfish people on a team, you won't be successful. And that's what I think is going to be different this year because we all trust each other and are bought in and are willing to, you know, we know we're not going to, some games you may have 25 carries, some games you may have five. And that's something you got to understand, but that's only because it comes through the success of the team. Yeah. We'll, we'll deepen or we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. Um, You said keeping people fresh. I think that helps, especially over the course of the season. And when you get into those tough games in the fourth quarter, when you can keep guys fresh and then guys on defense are getting tired, you know, they're getting worn down, but you know, you've got five running backs that have only taken, you know, 11 carries each and they can all take 15 more if you need them to. So it just helps the team. It's so beneficial. And then also, like you said, you guys trust each other and you also want what's best for each other. And some games, you know, some guys are just clicking and some guys aren't. And so if everyone understands that, Hey, this might not be my game, but maybe next game is, you know what I mean? Oh, exactly. No. Yeah. It's super beneficial. Yeah. You know how it goes. Absolutely. We rotate a lot of backs. Oh Yeah. Do you have any advice for freshmen going into that are just starting their college careers? When you were a young guy, what did you wish you knew that you know now? Um, honestly, like, I mean, I'm just going to keep repeating it, but I mean, consistency is big. Um, that's the biggest way to be successful. And for freshmen, especially, I think just, you know, trust in the process and, you know, trusting the coaches, trusting your teammates. Cause now you see with the transfer portal and whatnot, you see these freshmen, they go into school and they don't get playing time. And it's like, oh, I'm ready to bounce to another school. And it's just like, what freshman actually gets a lot of playing time? I mean, there's some out there that are gifted and really talented, but a lot of freshmen don't play. And that's why I just think and try to tell them, you know, just trust the process, grind, and your time will come. And it's a big learning year too. Learn from the guys who have been there for four plus years. You know, there's a lot of learning opportunities there. And just to trust the process and just grind get bigger, stronger, and faster, and then your time will come. Yeah, I think that's so important. Just like you said, not a lot of freshman play. You have to be a big physical freak that's gifted. But not only do you have to be gifted, you got to pick up the offense or the defense because it's not high school football. And I feel like most college offenses are more complex than people think. There's a lot of oh, yeah. shit motion. There's a lot of tags. There's a lot of different protections that goes into game plans, and it's hard for freshmen to pick up. Sometimes it's hard for older guys to pick up when they transfer. You know what I mean? So just to come in and really learn the basics of your offense or your defense is huge. Oh, yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want to do? Five years from now, shoot. I mean, obviously, it's been a dream goal. And obviously, I'm not going to sell myself short. But, I mean, obviously, the league's something that I want to pursue. and But obviously, I know football doesn't last forever. Um, But obviously – you know, hopefully from five years from now, I can say that I played a couple years in the league and, you know, retired on my own terms. Um, still trying to figure out what I want to do after ball, but that's what I've really enjoyed about SMU. They've had an awesome um, program where they do this thing called Life After Ball. And there's a lot like just networking, talking with people, having dinners with a bunch of people that are really successful, SMU alum people who live in Dallas um, and that's why I'm just taking advantage of that and just meeting people seeing where where I want to go after football so I mean who knows 
who knows what I'll be doing after football, but I'll definitely get back to you with that and let you know. <laughs> Sounds good. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think yeah. everyone at this level wants to play in the NFL. I, I don't think you'd be committed to this game if you if you didn't. You know what I mean? It's, exactly. It takes so yeah. much out of us, and it's very physical. And you know, you've got class, you've got work, you've got football. And so, if you weren't committed to that and chasing that that bag, then you know what are you doing? Right. Do you have a hero? I do. I would say it's my grandpa. Uh, like I said earlier, um, you know, really been a he was like the rock in our family. Um, really successful guy who came from nothing, worked his butt off each and every day to raise a family that he wanted to, just to make everybody. Um, lean on him and just really rely on him and a really loving guy, faith-based oriented man. Um, he actually passed away five years ago this summer. And I mean, he's been my biggest role model, obviously growing up and playing at Baylor, wearing the number 31. Um, but yeah, I would say he's my hero, Tom Davies. It's hard when you lose grandpas. It really, oh, yeah. it's really challenging. Um, happened to me a couple of years back, you know, it was, it was a really tough time for, you know, my family, especially my mom, but oh yeah, they are such good men and it feels like your connection with them, it can't be broken even when they're gone. I know exactly, you know, how, how you feel. I'm sure a lot of people do that lose their grandpa because I feel like most grandkids, especially the grandsons are really close with their grandpas. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a blessing for sure to have a grandpa to look up to. So yeah, it really is, and it, it sucks when they pass, but you know that they've instilled such great values in you, and they've given you a lot of really good memories, and those are the things that you cherish the most. Oh, yeah, for sure. What do you think it takes to be great? Uh, to be great, honestly, just consistency. Um, consistency and just really, you know, trusting and being disciplined, uh, I mean, I, that's why I feel like West Point was great for me because there's a lot of discipline in there. But, you know, just staying consistent and keeping yourself disciplined and on, t on, on, your, on all ten toes, you know. You can't ever be complacent. can't ever want to be average, obviously. And to be great, you know, you can't ever, you know, look, look down, always be positive, and just know that, obviously, there's a lot of learning, learning through failure. And that's why, obviously, people are people shy from failure, but I feel like failure builds and creates and motivates. And, I mean, like I said, just to be great, you know, be consistent, do what you do, and just strive to be the best man you can. Yeah, and, you know, in failure, having failures, that doesn't make you a failure. It allows oh, you. No. And if you're learning, you're still developing and you're still growing. And when you can oh. do that, then you can be great. Exactly. The moment you think you know everything and you've got it licked, that's when you fail. Because oh, someone yeah. there is, is always going to be better than you. Someone's always going to be working when you're not. Even if you're sleeping, someone's working. If you're working, they're probably working too. So yep. to, to continue to grow and have that mindset, I think, it, I think mentally you have to envision it to be great. If you can see it in your head, then you can allow yourself to grow into that. That's a big thing too, yeah. Just having that vision and, you know, telling yourself you can instead of you can't exactly and it's not a i have to mentality i get to i get to go do this workout get to, i right. get to go to practice i get to lift i get to have that mindset where you know oh you think you're better enough fuck you i'm better than you i'm gonna beat you yeah. at this rep and i'm gonna beat you in the okay. next rep 
Exactly. That's what I, mean, that's I think it takes to be great. It's huge. I like so we that. talked about it a little bit earlier. College football is really hard. It's a long season. You're there year-round. In the summer, you're training hard. Then school starts. You've got classes. You're in grad school now, so things are ramping up in grad school. You've got lift. you got to try to manage a social life. How do you mentally stay strong during that process? Um, I'd say, I mean, I, I would say stick to your faith. Um, the big man upstairs can really help you out. Um, staying consistent in Bible studies and just make it, because it's, it's a lot of mental. It can be hard physically, but I feel like especially the the time we're living in now, it's a, you see a lot of um, people who are mentally weak, and I just feel like keeping your mental strong is huge um there's some meditating some breathing techniques you can do out there that i really like um like i said diving in the bible um but i i mean just you know and especially keep surrounding yourself with great people too um i i don't think you can do life alone and i think once you surround yourself with those people that build you up and have the same you know stride or like same things in life that you want i mean that can really help you out too um people family friends girlfriends whatever i mean i really think it's good for your mental just you know to rely on people and you know just to keep your mental strong yeah and you rely on the people that they're your foundation they're your rocks they're people that are always going to care about you no matter how much success you have and they're always going to be there for you through thick and thin. So you can just, you know, really talk to them about things. That's that's a really good process. And you talked about it. You said we might be with, you know, softer mindsetted people right now. There's an old saying that, you know, hard times create tough men. Tough men create easy times. Easy times create soft men. Soft men create hard times. You think that mm-hmm. we could kind of be in that soft men era right now just because, not necessarily men in general, but soft mindset people in that hard times could be coming no yeah for sure i mean every day is like a grind like there's going to be the ups and downs and i mean we strive to like i'm not saying i'm perfect by any means but like you said just i would say i'm not the strongest man right now but i feel like from a bunch of learning processes in my life that it will make me stronger from failing from getting called out for being a little bitch or something, you know, that's what helps me out. And I really, this is funny that like the other day we're golfing and I just kept complaining and I, I feel like I catch myself complaining all the time and I hate complaining. And that's when I, I know I can trust somebody to like call me out for it. I thank them. Like we're golf, I was golfing with my brother and I just kept complaining and he looked at me and he's like, dude, you need to shut the hell up. Like, please, you're really killing this for me. And I looked at him and I was like, thank you for saying that. I needed that. And I think it's good for everybody. Um, I mean, those are people too, you know, you can trust, uh, they care about you and build you and make you stronger as well. Yeah, absolutely. And negativity, it, people can feed off that energy and it can bring a lot of other people down. So it's nice when you oh. can call you on your shit and tell you like, hey, ch- you know, change your it's attitude. Con- we got to get going. It's contagious. I know it's crazy. And that's why you got to cancel that sh- out. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's tough. And especially when, you know, things might not be going your way. Like you said, you were golfing, you know, it's not even like it was football. You were just trying yeah. to have a good time and you probably were 
you know, slicing it a little bit or missing a birdie putt, but <laughs> stuff yeah, happens. Do you have a yeah. welcome to college football moment? Ooh. Um, say more year. Um, this sounds stupid, but having two top 10 plays that year were kind of sick. Um, got my first touchdown my freshman year in Florida. Um, but I think my, my, my like time was my sophomore year when against Navy, I had that, I had a run where, um, I got tackled, but I didn't go to the ground and everybody thought I did. And then I, you know, got like, my knees never hit the ground or anything, and I got up and kept running. And I think that was kind of established, like, from that play, who the player I was. Like, I'm not going to stop until the whistle is blown. And I think that's probably a welcome to college moment for me. That's that's interesting. Was it blown dead or was it – did you keep going? No. No, yeah. So, I got tackled about, you know, seven yards after in a little inside zone run. Um, they never blew the whistle because I, I felt myself, like – I got tackled, like, three guys came in, and I did, like, the little third leg thing, put my arm down. They yep. thought they tackled me. I was on top of a guy, and I got right back up because I knew I wasn't down. I took off to the end zone and scored, like, a 50 or, like, 40-yard run. And, like, the whistle was never blown, and it was like, oh, my, like, that's funny. And it was, it was kind of a funny moment, but cool for sure. Yeah, that's an interesting story. Uh, it's unique when that happens, and you see it you know, probably once or twice a season where something crazy like that happens, guys stop playing and then boom, the guy's up again and he just keeps running. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the last question I had for you. So I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with me for a little bit. I really no, appreciate, I appreciate it. you. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for allowing us to hear your story. It's really interesting. And you know, there's some things that I was unaware of until we started talking. So I'm glad we got to do this. No, for sure. Appreciate it. Well, guys, that's the episode. Tyler Levine, SMU, signing off. Appreciate your guys' support. Continue to share, and we'll get some more episodes you guys out. Our next guest is going to be an LPGA Tour uh, athlete. She's playing in the U.S. Open next week, so we will be supporting her there, and then we will do an interview after the U.S. Open. Peace.